0: Good morning. It is 19 minutes after 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Joining us in studio is Tony Kennett from Chalkboard Review. Now, Tony, in the last segment, you gave uh, everyone some advice regarding the school people running for school board. One was find them on social media to do some research about them. And number two was ask specific questions, uh, what they stand for. Really get into the weeds with them if you want to know. Of course, they're going to say they like children and want to help children, but you're saying dig deeper.
1: Oh, yeah. Give them hypotheticals. In this Situation, You know, with this referendum, what's it going to be spent for and why? What do our teachers make at this district? Why do they make that money? What ancillary staff do we hire? Why? Why is it necessary to have 546 counselors on staff here instead of funding the teachers' paychecks fully? Why is Muncie School Corporation able to pay their subs really well? and yet our school corporation pays substitute teachers 50 cents and a grapefruit. So those are questions (laughs) that you need to ask.
2: Am I wrong? I've gotten into it. This will shock you, Tony. I've gotten into it with several school board members over the years. You have gotten
1: into it with someone? I'm shocked.
2: I, uh, I get really upset when they say we're here to serve the children. No, you're not. You're here to serve the taxpayer. The children don't vote for you. The children don't pay the taxes. The children don't provide the entity to exist. These school board members, and many of them do, and it's unlike any other office, believe that they are there to serve the children, oftentimes ahead of the taxpayer, and that is not your job. Well, there's also this
1: idea that they know what's better for children than you do, because yeah. that's where that idea leads. And so this is where you get Terry McAuliffe in the Virginia gubernatorial election saying parents shouldn't be deciding what the curriculum is, because there's this theory that I look, I have a science education degree and a biology degree and a couple education master's degrees. That does not what's give me like the right. What's it like to be smart? What's it like to be smart? You know, I'll sit down and tell you about it sometime. It'll take a while. (laughs) That all said, I think that there is none of that that gives me the right to tell you what your children need to know. I can provide advice like any person in a free speech country can provide advice, but that doesn't give me the right to tell you what to do with your children. Unfortunately, a lot of school board candidates in today's day and age, especially in Indianapolis, have moved into telling you what your kids are to do and what they're not to do. And also willing they are willing to cover things up uh, when it comes to you and your kids that if your kid makes a decision at school they don't have to tell parents they can cite that they claim there might be some type of an abuse situation at hand and that is a very very dangerous uh, line of reasoning
0: what about all these parents who don't know what's going on until they see something that comes home with their student
1: well, there was this idea in American education that basically has been consistent since the 1950s that as long as there is no engine light, I don't need to check the oil. Mm-hmm. And so that's how everyone treated American education. As long as the kid came back and he didn't talk like he was an idiot, then you thought the school was probably doing something OK. Unfortunately, the American education system has degraded in so many different ways for so long that when parents were finally forced to sit down with their kids during the COVID lockdowns, mm-hmm. they were forced to open the hood of the car and they saw smoke pouring out of the engine block, even though there was no engine light on. And that is why a lot of parents are getting involved. We are tearing down the complacency of the American parent.
0: So let's talk about the bluing of suburban Indiana. Okay. You mentioned the battleground area, specifically uh, Zionsville, Carmel, Fishers, Avon, Brownsburg. Uh, why is that the battleground area in this state?
1: So for a long time, the wealthier portions of Indiana were often more Republican. You know, your, the Indianapolis Sailing Club is, is always is kind of been the idea. Your, your family's around Geist. No, really, this is what I, growing up in rural Indiana, that's what we thought. That's just, that was the image that was presented. And over time, as uh, entertainment and food, uh, the Latin phrase being Panem at circuses, the idea that if you give everyone a lot of entertainment and a lot of food, then they'll be complacent and happy. This kind of happened to Indianapolis. Well, what also happens politically from our observations in Western civilization is that the more bored someone is with all of their food and all of their entertainment and all of their needs are met and their lives are just wonderful, they become liberal and they become more and more progressive because they have very little purpose or work to drive for. So they take up these political causes because they're bored. They want social virtue.
2: Same thing that's going on with the Indiana Republican Party over the last decade because the Democrats are so inept. We never have to worry about them. And. And our primary job is to basically participate in legalized vote buying.
1: Well, it's it's. Status quoism. The idea that, well, at least it's not the Democrats. And so they're basically settling along the idea that, well, as long as Indianapolis and the suburban areas keep voting red because that's what's good for business, then we're going to be safe and fine. Unfortunately for them, that actually doesn't meter out in economics and it doesn't meter out in the culture situations that more and more voters are becoming concerned about, especially in northern Indianapolis, which is why in the school board races, you're seeing such vitriol. Uh, Hamilton County and also the surrounding counties, this kind of northern northern windshield shape around Indianapolis, north, uh, northeast, and the northwest of 465 have been just intense school board races. I have never seen anything like this in midwestern like school board races. Uh, when I studied it, when I was in Governor Walker's office, this is something new. It's it's verging on violent with how insane
2: things are getting in these races. Tony Ken of Chalkboard review our guest. Couple minutes left here with him. We're talking about these school board races this fall. One other thing, and it they pass with great propensity. Uh, is that the right word? You're the smart one here. They pass a lot. Is that a great is it the right word? Let's Come on, educate. Consistently. they pass. There you go, perfect. They ca- they pass consistently, unless I'm leading the charge against them in your community. These school referendums, and I have no idea. What sort of? Carmel is the poster
1: child for referendums that are so expensive, and that taxes are skyrocketing, and they're charging for like, we're going to build a brand new track field this year because that's what kids need, or we need
2: more counselors for LGBTQ plus inclusiveness, and all these referendums that are coming through. How do they do it? How is the hypnosis? Because if like the town came to them and said, "We want to do the same thing," oftentimes the school wants to do, people would never raise their taxes to do this. But in Zionsville, as you said, Carmel. Westfield. I mean, they're all over the place. You see these referendums that pass with flying colors. It's like people just, their brains just turn off when they're told your child might suffer if, when the child never suffers if the thing doesn't happen. Rob, do you want children to die? Uh, no, I'm a big proponent of well, children. Well, then you're going to vote for this referendum. Oh, I see That's the works. logic
1: of the school board. If you don't want children to die, if you don't want children to be stomped in the street and sent to the coal mines, rob Kendall, then you're going to vote for this referendum and you're going to pay me lots of money <laughs> to not really improve the school. And then they champion that, that uh, the the reading rates at Carmel and at Noblesville and at Zionsville. They're not spectacular. They're not bad. They're not, they're not bad schools, but they are not spectacular. The scores are not drastic. Drastically improving.
0: But aren't well, these blue-ribbon schools and national award-winning schools? Well, yes,
1: but they're winning national awards from those who are more concerned about the progressive politics that a school portrays rather than the academic performance. So this is like me winning an award uh, from, uh, pick someone that I'm, let's be like me winning an award from my own breaking news reporter behind me. Gary's like, Tony, <laughs> you are just great at running Chalkboard Review. Here's an award. And then I walk around saying,
2: hey, guys, look at this award that I received.
1: Well, yeah, it's coming from the organization that is telling you what to do of course
2: they're going to give you awards we could do this for a whole hour but in the meantime you have a fabulous website that talks about a whole bunch of this stuff and a whole lot more tell us about it
1: you should head over to chalkboardreview.com sign up for our newsletter so every week you can see all of the latest education stories not just in indiana but nationally often the stuff that many places don't publish like chalkbeat and like the indianapolis star which is indeed a trash filled rag you're really good at this please don't take my job Hey, anytime that uh, you're out of the chair, I will take it. Tony Kennett, thank you, my friend.
0: It's 93 WIBC with Kendall and Casey. Good morning.